Welcome to the Doc Washburn Show, the show that talks about what you actually care about. We stream live at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, weekdays at docwashburnshow.com. Minutes after each live stream is completed, the Doc Washburn Show podcast is available for download at all your favorite podcast platforms. The Doc Washburn Show is on Twitter and Facebook. You can email us at contact at docwashburnshow.com. This is episode 69 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. It's Tuesday, January 18th, 2022. Coming up, the problem of illegal aliens coming across our border sometimes leads to tragedies, needless deaths. We'll speak to an angel mom, a mother whose child was killed by an illegal immigrant, and the outrages the legal system has put her and her family through in just a moment. Yes, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. Yes, it's obvious the last U.S. presidential election was stolen. No, my old employer wouldn't allow me to say that on the radio. And yes, there's all kinds of evidence out there that a lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We're unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you'd like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashburnshow.com, and click on the button that says Become a Patron. Um, also, just a, a, a personal note, my wife came home early from work yesterday because she was not feeling well, uh, got the rapid COVID test at a pharmacy in Little Rock, Arkansas, where we live, and found out that she is uh, positive for COVID-19. So I went out and got the test myself, and I am negative for the time being, so we'll see how that goes, but we appreciate everybody's prayers. Um, so let's, uh, let's bring our guest on, uh, a friend of ours, uh, Ms. Catherine Hall. Um, uh, Kathy, thanks for coming on the program today. How are you? Oh, hi, Doc. I'm doing all right. I also have um, Omicron right now. Oh, my goodness. Sorry to hear that. Sorry to hear that. Well, um, I'm actually feeling a little better today. Good. Well, I hope you're taking some ivermectin and some zinc and some vitamin C and some vitamin D. Uh, not that I'm prescribing medicine on the on the podcast, but there's a, there's a lot of stuff out there that's that's available that that really helps. Um, so, why don't you tell our listeners, Kathy, um, you and your husband uh, living in Northwest Arkansas, a son and a daughter. And I guess one evening, uh, your daughter went out with a friend on, on a moped. Yes, yes, okay. it was uh, November two thousand and sixteen. Um, she had gone out and was about a quarter mile from home. Um, she was on the back of the moped, and a man driving seventy one miles an hour in a thirty five came up behind the kids and hit them. Um, my daughter taking the blunt of the impact, being on the back of the scooter. Uh, she flew up on the hood. The boy in the scooter went up underneath the uh, truck he was driving, that Chevy Silverado. He didn't slow down or stop. He flung my daughter off head first at 71 miles an hour. Um, he mm. continued driving for about a little over a mile further. Uh, the, the, underneath, the, underneath the truck, there, it had started sparking um, that we know now because the boy's legs had become detached from his body. 
uh, he pulled into an apartment complex where the boy had come out from underneath. Um, and the man got out and walked away. Uh, they looked for him for three days. My daughter, um, thankfully there was a, um, one of the best emergency doctors. It was a few cars back that had stopped and started a life support in the street with her. She survived for about six hours before we lost her. Oh my goodness. Uh, the boy was not supposed to survive. There had been a three-state manhunt for the man who killed her. When they were, when they did locate him, I received a phone call uh, saying that they had him there at the police station. Um, about an hour and 20 minutes later, I got a phone call saying he'd been released on bond. Good grief. I, I, was, I was completely dumbfounded how they just released him after he killed my child, how he had a bond at four o'clock in the afternoon. Um, he, uh, I, at the time I did not know he was illegal. I did not status. Yeah. Um, so was, did, were you eventually able to find out why they gave this guy bond so quickly? Apparently, there had been a deal made with his attorney um, before they even got him. They gave him a bond before he was ever located. I, After the hearing and everything had happened, I had done a FOIA. And we had been told in all the hearings that he did not speak or understand any English. That's when I started questioning um, if he was here illegally or not. Um, I never could get a straight answer. Um, they never did, would say yes or no one way or the other. Uh, it wasn't until I contacted voice, which was part of ICE and has now been dismantled by the current administration that they did the checking and informed me that in fact he was illegal. Good grief. Um, just before sentencing to him, they did allow him to marry a U.S. citizen. Wow. Uh, yeah. It was in December of 2017, and the trial was set to begin in January, although it never did take place. They did a plea deal. Um, they, they, all the way around it, would never give us the direct answer. Um, when, I was, when I was told that he was illegal and I asked why Washington County had not notified ICE, I was told that if they were to notify ICE that they would take him down to the federal holding facility in Louisiana and that he would probably never stand trial in Arkansas, which was a complete lie. Come to find out, Washington County is a federal holding facility for the illegals. Well, not to mention, um, even if they did have to take him across state lines, there would be nothing to keep. Uh, them from bringing him back, uh, you know, for trial. But the main thing is the complete lie. You got a federal holding facility right there in Washington County. Correct. They had never even been notified of the, about this man, period, until I contacted them. Um, the boy that was driving the scooter did survive. He wasn't expected to. And when they did, um, finally locate him on that third day uh they did not believe he was going to survive so at that point he had just killed my daughter and 
possibly the boy also to have a bond set at twenty five thousand dollars, you know, which was just another slap in the face is that all my daughter's life was work. Um, I have since gotten a hold of, like I said, through the FOIA and found out his bond was not even signed or posted by the bondsman until the following day after he was released. Hmm. So uh, his ex- a lot of his shady. Attorney, I'm sorry. I'm I was just going to say a lot of shady stuff going on there. There was. And his the attorney that he had hired um, had just recently gone into private practice. She was one of the prosecutors in Washington County. We believe that's why the deal was made the way it was. Oh, 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 wait a minute. His attorney had just gone into private practice, but up until right before this guy mowed down your daughter and her friend, um, this attorney was in the prosecutor's office. That's correct. Oh, my goodness. That's That's, correct. And I've never heard anybody else in Washington County who, before they've even located the person, has... uh, as a bond, especially after killing someone. Yeah. That would seem to be very unusual, you know, except here recently in big places like maybe Chicago, Philadelphia, L.A., San Francisco, where you get, you know, prosecutors put into office by uh, uh, George Soros. But, you know, back in 2016, in a small community like... uh, Northwest Arkansas, that's Washington County, that's, that's, that's very strange. So, very strange. So you, you've had a years-long problem here with trying to get the truth out of people who seem to have absolutely no interest in, in leveling with you. That's correct. Well, you know... This has gone on and on. We were told the man does not speak English or understand English. The taxpayers were paying for a translator from him. And I believe I sent you the video from the FOIA that I have when yeah. they did get him into custody. And he spoke perfect English. And he understood every bit of English. So why the interpreter? And the, When we went in, finally, um, they originally were only telling us that he would only be charged with leaving the scene of an accident and probably only get probation. That wasn't going to happen. I went to the press. I went to everybody I could. They finally added a battery charge on. It took 13 months to finally, and we had gotten a new prosecutor in, and I had an appointment with him. We sat down, and we got the first second-degree murder charge in the state of Arkansas on a hit-and-run. It took me explaining to the man and I said, you know, I understand. I'm not inhuman. I know accidents happen every day. Sure. But when you've, hit, when you've hit somebody and you know without a doubt there is a young girl's body on the hood of your truck, you don't slow down, you don't stop, but you make that conscious decision to knock her off by veering over into the other lane. Yeah. Um, very quickly, at that point, it's murder. And he agreed, and we did get the first second-degree murder charge. Well, right before trial was due to begin, um, another prosecutor came in and took over the case and did a plea deal. So we went from expecting about 58 years for this man to 17 years without even asking if we were okay with that, without asking how we felt about a plea deal, 
which, you know, not being from northwest Arkansas, and we hadn't been there all that long, I think a year and a half. Yeah. Um, I had no idea there was no truth in sentencing in Arkansas. And that 17 years was going to add up to about two years till his first parole hearing. Oh, my goodness. So I, I, I don't know if... Um I don't know if this has a, a the force of law, but I've always heard it's customary uh, if a prosecutor is going to give a a plea deal to somebody that they check with the the, the family of of the deceased. Again, I don't know if that has a force of law, but it it's certainly customary in most parts of this country. Um, yeah, we were not given a choice, and neither was David, the other victim that lost both of his legs. No. Mind you, at 20 years old, he's now a double, or was a double amputee. Yeah. Yeah. And unfortunately, um, uh, four plus years later, he recently lost his life. He did. He died on December 14th of this year, just a month ago. Um, and his death, they said, stemmed from the injuries he, that occurred that night. Um, his heart had just stopped. Goodness gracious. Um, and died 25 years old. So, I mean, that should be another murder charge right there. I have called. I have spoken with the prosecuting attorney's office. Um, the prosecutor herself would not return my calls. Um, the victim coordinator had called and said it would be double jeopardy if they were to um, up the charges on him. So he was only going to end up spending about eight months for David's death. Um, He was sentenced to second-degree battery. Now, they have him in prison as a nonviolent offender from the very beginning to start with, which means he only does a third of his time in the state of Arkansas. Good grief. Um, I have since done my research and checked into it, and there is no double jeopardy on it. He was not um, convicted by our, not convicted, but uh, proven to be innocent by a court of law. And David did lose his life now due to his injuries from that night. Um, Mm. And they refused to do anything different with the case or even touch it again. Wow. Wow. That's, that, that is horrendous. Um, so one of the things I wanted to do was to get to to publicize um, this case, uh, you know, so so that my listeners would know what's going on, because we've been hearing for so many years now about how our southern border is wide open, and the previous president was trying to build a wall and built most of it, but uh, didn't get it quite all done in the four years he was in. And Joe Biden, of course, has opened the floodgates. Uh, and there are a number of situations in which illegal aliens have killed American citizens. Uh, and none of it should have ever happened. Uh, the laws should be enforced. And um, I didn't know what to do other than to use uh, you know, my bully pulpit is, you know, I've had you on my uh, radio talk show before, uh, but also now that we have the nationwide podcast to try to get the word out uh, about the flagrant, I believe, the, the flagrant, um, gosh, I, I don't know what, disregard for the, for the law. I think, 
Yeah, I, I think the justice system is broken when it comes to the illegal aliens. Everything that you're told in a normal case that's going to go through the courts completely changes when it comes to an illegal alien. Nothing is the way it's supposed to go. And I, uh, my close friend, former Senator Linda Collins-Smith, had uh, addressed this um, at the state capitol where I had testified about what had happened. And nothing, she called in numerous other police agencies that all went into what the protocol was and how things were supposed to go, and not one thing was the way that it was supposed to have happened. Mm. And that seems to be a recurring event with most of the angel families that things are not done the way that they would normally be done and they're given special treatment. And that's, you know, he should have never been allowed to marry a U.S. citizen. And that was a big question about what happens now when he does receive parole. Will he be still taken out of the country? Because now there's his child involved in his American wife. Yeah, yeah. Um, so when you say most of the angel families, are you specifically referring to most of the angel families in Northwest Arkansas or uh, just across the board, across the country? Yeah, all over the country. Um, that's the ones that they have gotten, um, any kind of prosecution on their family members, uh, loved ones. A lot of them have fled the country and come back with different names and, and, you know, it's, it's even easier for them to come back now. And the majority of them are repeat offenders um, that had committed other crimes in the past until it escalated and they were slapped on the hand and um, come right back over and have eventually killed. Yeah. 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 It's really outrageous because I see, I was wondering since you're talking Washington County, which is in Northwest Arkansas, uh, where are there some, there are some, big industries up there that I hear rely a lot on illegal aliens uh, for, uh, for labor, you know, to, to work for them. Um, You know, I was just wondering if that had something to do with it, but it's even more alarming that you're saying, Oh no, well actually this is, this is pretty much nationwide. Um, It is. Yeah, that's very concerning. That's very concerning. And you had a friend, State Senator Linda Collins-Smith, who uh, later was just Linda Collins because she was going through a divorce, who was trying to help you uh, and trying to rattle some cages and get the attention uh, of folks. Uh, and then, of course, she was murdered. Um, and a woman was eventually uh, pled guilty to her murder, but a lot of questions there, too. Uh, as to how this one person could have possibly been the only one involved in the murder, and you know, I, I guess we could talk about that for a long time. Um, but you, you've been fighting this battle now for over over five years. November twenty sixteen. Um, what uh, what next? Where where do you go next? You know. It's a good question. I'm not done fighting to try to get the charges upgraded on the man who killed my daughter. Um, As far as the late senator goes, I don't believe the story that's put out in front of us 
there's a lot going on in Arkansas. Um, my daughter had a baby at the time who uh, was illegally adopted to a Walmart executive. Um, Linda had been helping me with that also at the same time. Um, you know, she had told me before her death that if anything were to happen to her, that she knew her ex-husband was going to kill her. Wow. Uh, Nobody ever wanted to listen. Uh, I was just with her for her, her, um, there in our few interviews. And I'm sorry, you're, we you're, you're breaking up a little bit. You were with her. What now? The week before she was murdered and we did two interviews. We had been planning on doing your show the right. Friday before she died, um, where she was going to reveal some information that she had uncovered. Um, and then unfortunately she was, did not make it, um, to reveal that information that I believe has been so far closed up and probably will never get out. But, um, there's a lot going on that has to do with the children, the child trafficking in Arkansas and what's going on there with the illegal immigrants and, you know, Arkansas, and I'm sure some of the other states probably do too, but a lot of it is the good old buddy still going on. Yeah. Now, forgive me, I forgot to bring up the uh, the issue of of your granddaughter, uh, which obviously, uh, when your daughter was killed, run over by an illegal alien driving a a pickup truck 71 miles an hour, obviously legally, immediately, custody of your granddaughter should have gone to you and your husband. What 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 happened in that situation? Um, well, we asked for a court date. We went into court in January. She was killed in November to get the full custody of my granddaughter. Um, we sat up at the front desk like we uh, table like we were supposed to, and we were never addressed in the courtroom. The judge kept asking if the child was adoptable, the Department of uh, Children's Services kept saying that she was. Um, I kept writing on the paper, pad of paper there, why are you not objecting? She's not adoptable. She's got family. Um, now, you're writing that for your for your attorney there? Yes. And he said, no, no, they're just clearing the way and opening things up and we'll be heard next. Eventually, the judge called a recess. We walked out of the double doors out of the courtroom, but not out of the courthouse. Right. Uh, and I'm saying, why are you not speaking up? And about, he said, we're going to be heard next. She's just taking a recess. It's our turn now. And about that time, the bailiff came to the door and said, that's it. Court's over for the day. Go home and lock the doors. Uh, we obviously fired this attorney and hired another one, filed everything all over again to get back into court. And uh, we're waiting for a court date when I knew the name of the family who had my granddaughter. I put them in on Facebook to see if there was any pictures of my granddaughter because I had not seen her at this point in about eight months. And um, there was a picture. I was very excited to see how big she had gotten. And she was standing next to a sign. Well, I was on my phone at the time, and I made the sign bigger to read it, what it said. And it said, it's a day. I'm now Brooklyn Mayor. Okay, you just and broke. I, you just broke up. The sign said what? 
it's a ado- um, it's adoption day on finally Brooklyn Manning. Oh boy! And my whole world crashed. Um, it was just like the night that my daughter died. I sat with her and held her hand as her heart stopped. And I promised her that night. I said, "I will fight for justice for you, and I will make sure to raise Brooklyn to be happy and healthy and know who her mommy was." Wow! And then, she, and then her heart stopped. Oh my goodness! So far, so far, I don't feel that I have been able to accomplish either one of those things. I'm still fighting for justice, although the man is in jail. I don't think that it was enough. And I'm still fighting to bring my granddaughter home. Immediately after the adoption, they took her out of state to Wisconsin, um, moved her out of state. Um, You know, in this day and age, it's not hard to find somebody if you know their Um. So I have I have tracked the family and I know where they're at and they're getting ready to turn, return to Northwest Arkansas from my understanding. But um, I'm not done with this fight and you know we have 12 counts of fraud on my granddaughter and cannot get a single attorney that is willing to go against the judge in the county or anybody up there to help us with the case. Um, I did have a friend that was helping me who was an attorney also, which I believe was a, uh, a friend of both of ours, Doc. Um, oh, yeah. She has since passed, and she has since passed from COVID before she was able to come out with everything she knew also. Yeah, our, uh, our friend, family law attorney, uh, Catherine Hudson, who a few months yes. ago went to a hospital, I'm not going to say which one, but a large hospital in Little Rock, uh, presented with symptoms of COVID-19, tested positive for COVID-19, uh, was told, well, go home and uh, come back if you get worse. And three or four days later, uh, she was so bad, her, doctor, uh, her daughter had to drive her back to the hospital. And they told her, oh, we're so sorry. You missed the window of opportunity for treatment. But now we'll admit you, put her in a bed, eventually put her in a ventilator, and three weeks later she was dead. A lot of that going around. A lot of that going around. Um, I, I don't think it's, you know, I don't think the the way the hospital treated her was was related to your case by any stretch of the imagination because they, they treat a lot of people that way. Um, yeah. Refused to give them anything um, to try to save their lives, basically wind up killing them. And it's um, it's a crying shame. It's, it's, it's a shock. In my humble opinion, it's murder. Uh, but there's a, there's a lot of money tied up in it. So there is, and you know, it's a shame because Catherine had a lot of information still on Linda's case that she was unable to divulge. He was also her divorce attorney yeah, and couldn't, couldn't represent me in the case, but willing to help from behind the scenes, uh, with my granddaughter and everything only because of Linda's case and did not want to have to give up her uh, her client attorney privilege on that until the time was right, and she yeah. never had that chance. No, that's right. That's right. Um, and and that, that, was, that was a great shock when I found out that she had passed because, you know, it's not like we talked every day or every week, but we would talk every once in a while. Um, and I had no idea that, uh, you know, 
she was in hospital. Um, I had no idea she had passed. I'd been trying to reach her for a while and no response from her until I reached out to you and you informed me of her death. Right, right. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Um, well, uh, you know, there, there should be. It, now, do you think that there's no attorney in Northwest Arkansas that wants to touch this uh, be, because the um, family involved that, uh, pardon me, because the family involved that adopted your granddaughter is a, um, a Walmart executive? you think that has anything to do with anything? Um, you know, I, I don't know for sure. That was my suspicion in the beginning, although that shortly afterwards he left Walmart. Um, I think it has more to do with the judge, to be honest with you. Um, at the time, she was the only family court judge in Washington County. So to go against her, um, you would never win another case there. When we found, caught them lying on and DHS line on the stand, um, my attorney had told me, had called a few days later in tears and said she could no longer represent us, that she would never, ever win another case in the county, and she might as well give up her law firm if she was to go any further. Wow. And so, you know, I mean, that's pretty much where we were at, and this judge is well-known. She's well-known for... Uh, doing things that were not correct. She was the same judge on the 19 kids in counting that told the police department to destroy the records of Josh, Josh Duggar years earlier. Wow. Uh, so she's got quite the history. Um, when um, Senator Collins was still actively a um in office, she requested the case file on on everything, and that's where some mistakes were very, very seriously made. Um, and I can't really say all of them right now because we don't want them to know what all we have. But um, like I said, we have 12 counts so far. And, you know, thankfully, with the help of Miss um, Catherine Hudson, she found a lot of them. Well, apparently, if I understand correctly, um, excuse me, if I understand correctly, apparently this this uh, family court judge in Northwest Arkansas uh, has a history of uh, questionable rulings when it comes to allowing children to be adopted out. Correct. I believe there was a uh, the Paul Peterson case also, which he was doing illegal adoptions. Um, from Arizona, Utah, and Arkansas, and her being the only family court judge, I'm sure you can imagine who did the majority of them. Yeah. Speaking of Arizona, I know there was um, there was a lawyer in Northwest Arkansas who uh, actually was was sentenced, um, got a criminal sentence on some really questionable adoptions in Northwest Arkansas. Uh, about some uh, children, uh, Marsh- Marshallese Island children. That's uh, what I was talking of, about, yes. Out uh, of Arizona. Yeah, yeah. Actually got some jail time for that, I believe. Yes, but nobody's questioning the judge. Them. Being the only family court judge and not many of them going through the family court, 
why had she not ever questioned them? Right. And, you know, and now you have the whole um, guilty plea. I mean, the whole guilty, uh, not plea, but uh, the whole guilty verdict of Josh Duggard for making or possessing child pornography. The same Josh Duggard that she told the police to destroy the records that he was molesting his sisters and friends. Goodness. Goodness, goodness, goodness. Um, so, I mean, her information is questionable at the least, but, you know, nobody wants to touch her. She was put into place by the Huckabees. And, I mean, that said, that should say enough there in Arkansas. Wow. Well, you know, I I doubt she had this kind of track record when, you know, uh, it, and if I understand what you're saying correctly, uh, that she got her job as judge in the first place being appointed by then-Governor Huckabee? Yes. Yeah. But then every, every few years she has to stand stand for election, right? Yes, correct. And the last, the last opponent she had had noted and had the numbers, and I don't have them in front of me, but um, Washington County had the highest amount of adoptions that were done in the entire state. Wow. Which is not a big... Um, you know, I, I don't even know what else to say about this besides what I've already said. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of questionable behavior that goes on in the area as far as the children are concerned. Um, you can't find out about children, but yet they put them on videos being played at night of these kids for adoption. Uh, you know, I, I've never seen anything like it, never heard anything like it. And Linda was very suspicious about what was going on there in Arkansas with the children. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I will say this, um, you know, when we're talking, you, you mentioned that, um, this uh, family court judge with a really spotty record since she became family court judge in Washington County was initially appointed by uh, Governor Huckabee. Um, you know, President Trump appointed some judges, and, you know, we all hoped for the best and had every reason to think they were going to do a good job, and some of them have been uh, real real disappointments. So I, I kind of, you know, I kind of doubt that um, – you know, when it, when a governor appoints a judge, you know, it's with the intention of, yeah, let's really wreck some families. Uh, and, and the sad thing is that when she stands for re-election, apparently nobody has made a convincing case with the electorate, with the people going to vote, that here's why you need to vote against this judge and get her off the bench. Well, I believe they're all scared of her. Um, you know, she has too much power up in the area. Um, they did since bring in a second family court judge that just happened to be her best friend that had gotten position. Um, you know, I don't believe that the Huckabees had any idea that she was going to end up doing the things that she has done. Right. Of um, course. I agree with you there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was a family court judge, uh, down in hot springs, Arkansas, who, um, uh, there, there was a family in Hot Springs that had uh, their seven minor homeschool children taken away from them. It took them months to get them back. This family court judge uh, was really um, 
terrible to them, you know, whenever they were in court. And eventually there was a great tragedy in which he forgot that his toddler was in the backseat of the car and, and left him there uh, for uh, several hours in hot weather. And the, uh, uh, the baby died and nobody thought it was intentional or anything. Uh, but, um, you know, he was allowed back on the bench and uh, didn't seem to have been humbled at all from his experience. And so the next time he was up for re-election, uh, he had a couple of opponents, and uh, I think that uh, one of them really made a good case for why this guy should not be on on the bench with without, you know, uh, exploiting a family tragedy, and uh, and he is no longer on the bench. So it just... It just seems that, I don't know, when she's up for re-election, it's just a shame that nobody's able to make the case um, about, okay, here's the record of this judge, and here's why this judge uh, should not be on the bench, and perhaps uh, asking you and people like you uh, who have suffered uh, from from her um, uh, horrible rulings, uh, to be to be part of an advertising campaign for you know whoever the uh, the opponent is. Yeah, I've seen nothing like that so far. The closest I had seen was the last election, and he brought out the numbers, but not any of the uh, other cases as far as the Duggars or the Paul Peterson or or even our case that had gone on. There hasn't been any kind of campaign like that against her, period. And like I said, most people you talk to out there are scared of her. Mm. And there is some programs that she had started there in the area that have been good programs for kids. Um, But does it overweigh the kids that have been removed from families that should not have been? I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and the situation with them. With Josh Duggar, he was recently found uh, guilty, you know, in in court, and is probably looking at some jail time. Uh, so that's that's one thing where people have been wondering about justice in that situation. Um, you know, uh, that that that's that's one situation. But going back to families that have had children or grandchildren taken away, uh, that's the kind of thing where, if I understand you correctly, there are a number of families in northwest arkansas are wondering you know when if ever will we get justice that's that seems to be the thing that you know if i was advising whoever is going to run against this family court judge um by the way do, do you mind saying her name no i sure don't it's judge stacy zimmerman judge stacy zimmerman um yeah yeah it's, and I guess judges are only up for for reelection once every four years, something like that. I believe so, yeah. and I believe she's coming up on her twenty year mark. I don't know if she's going to be retiring or if there's a a time limit on on her being a judge. I, I'm not really sure on that. No, I, I don't think there's any kind of term limits uh, when it comes to uh, to judges in the state of Arkansas or probably just about anywhere. Um, you know, it's, it's not like the, the president or, or something like that, but, um, uh, 
Yeah, so she is probably up for re-election this year. Uh, possibly. I haven't seen anything. I believe it was just two years ago was her last um, election, so it may not be. It may not okay. be until 2024. Probably 2024. Yeah, yeah. She, was, she was re-elected in 2022. She did have uh, a challenger. She got 77% of the vote. The challenger only got 23% of the vote, um, mm-hmm. which just makes me think the challenger really must not have made the case. Because if Yeah, I I don't think he did. I just think if enough people knew what the objections are from the families who have been through these adoption situations with her, uh it shouldn't have been difficult to defeat her. Um I did speak and he told me he was hearing the same story over and over again. Um, but it just seemed that nobody wants to do anything about it. But he didn't have it as part of his campaign either, which I believe was a mistake on his part. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I just, I don't see how you can can avoid that. Um, so now you, you and your family no longer live in northwest Arkansas, and we're not going to ask, ask where. Um but for our our listeners, and most most of our listeners are outside the state of Arkansas, but most of our listeners in Arkansas are probably in central Arkansas. Well, I'm sure we have a few northwest Arkansas. Uh, but now would be the time to start planning for uh, for 2024. Um, and I just uh, I, I get what you're saying that uh, people are afraid and they're thinking, well, you know. If I challenge her and I lose, then I'm never going to win a case in her in her court again. Mm-hmm. But the hope would be that some attorney up there who perhaps doesn't practice family law, a real estate attorney, somebody who who's not ever going to have to be in her court, uh, would go. You know what? You know th- this is the time to do the right thing. Nope. I hope so. I really do. Um, you know we had been looking and after speaking with um, Catherine Hudson, our, our best uh, thing at this point, I think is to probably file a federal lawsuit, um, yeah. have a federal come in. And so that's where we're at as far as my granddaughter is concerned. Um, but we, you know, just finding out about Catherine and, and uh, so forth, and and then being sick on top of it, and I'm sorry for my voice. I like I said, I have the Omicron right now, but um, I think that's where we're headed with this next. Um, if we can find an attorney that's willing to take it. So let me let me ask you this: if if uh, somebody wants to read the, your story, the story of what's been going on with your family since 2016. Is there a website, a blog, a Facebook page uh, where you kind of put this whole thing together? There isn't. And um, we are working on getting one put together. Uh, We have not finished yet. Um, In the meantime, I've had another grandchild, which um, the state that I live in, I do have full custody of. Um, So there was, there was wrong with us to begin with. That wasn't ever the issue. And, and the, current grandchild's eight months old that we have full custody of. Um, so we were 
busy with that in the meantime and then being sick, but we plan on going full forward and we'll be starting a website. If there's anybody out there that is willing to help, you can always reach me on Facebook. Um, and it's Kathy Hall or reach me through the angelfamilies.com site. Angelfamilies.com. Okay. Yes. And on, on Facebook, of course, it would be uh, Kathy yeah. Hall, Kathy with a K. Yes. Yeah, I always want to try to uh, make the distinction when there's any question about how it's spelled. Um, well, Kathy, I, I appreciate you coming on the program today. And, I, you know, I, I try to and use. Have, I'm sorry. We have what? another uh, parole hearing coming up. Um, as you know, the last one we did receive the denial for two years. Um, at the time, David had been at the hearing with us. Uh, but we have the next one coming up, I believe, in March. If you would like to attend, you're more than welcome. Okay, is that going to be, in, where is that going to be? Little Rock again. Little Rock, right, right, right. Well, last time. I'm sorry, what? It'll be at the same place it was last time. Right, right. Well, I certainly hope to be there. Uh, as I mentioned at the start of the show, my wife tested positive for the, uh, the China virus yesterday. Um, I went to get tested because I noticed I was developing a scratchy throat and, uh, and a dry cough yesterday. I'm like, oh, boy, I bet I've got it. But then I tested negative. So, you know, if my symptoms are getting worse here in the next few days, uh, then I would be getting tested again. But uh, it's only January so, Lord willing, we should both be, uh, you know, back 100% healthy by March. Uh, and I'll keep in touch with you on that um, because it's just, uh, it's outrageous that a guy who did what this guy did, what he pleaded guilty to, to, to having done uh, in a plea bargain, would be up for Second parole. Second time. He didn't go to jail. Let's let's back up a little bit. He did not even uh, go to prison until um, April of 2018. Um, this is his second parole hearing already coming up. That's insane. And 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 again, it's also horrendous that you were lied to once your daughter's friend passed away from his injuries from this attack with this big pickup truck doing 71 miles an hour that you were told uh, by legal authorities in Washington County, Arkansas, oh, that'd be double jeopardy. We can't increase the charges because the other victim has now passed. And you find out, well, no, that's not true. It's not double jeopardy at all. I mean, That's correct. We've never been told the truth in this since the beginning of this case. Nothing has been has been the truth that's been told to us. I mean, there's no statute of limitations on murder. No, there isn't. Well, uh, thank you for having us today, and uh, we really appreciate it and getting the story out there. Um, hopefully, before my death, we'll be able. I'll be able to keep to the promises that I kept. I did to my daughter. Yes, ma'am, and we hope you're around for many, many more years, and and we pray for you. Uh, and and your family, um, I hope that you write a book someday because we've just scratched the surface today. And yeah, uh, well, actually, 
there is going to be one coming out. Um, I believe in the next two or three months there will be a full book. Oh, that's right. That's right, because I need to call back uh, the, the lady who's working on the book. Uh, all that's been kind of up in the air the last couple of days with uh, my wife's, um, uh, you know, coming down with the, uh, the woo flu. But yes, yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. All right. Sorry, I'm well, doing sleep very- deprivation from last night, being up late, <laughs> uh, t- taking care of the, doing the, uh, helping her with the convalescing and everything. But yes, Kathy, thank you so much for coming on the program today. And please keep in touch and uh, let me know what, if anything, I can do. Thank you, Doc. All right. God bless you. Have a great day. Thank you so much. Wow. Um, one of the things that I try to do, having been given this platform, is to do what I can, when I can, to help um, right injustice. You know, when people have not been treated fairly, it's it's you know, sometimes. Sometimes you can get the word out and help people. So that's what we're trying to do. That's what we're trying to do. And, um, yeah, there's a, there's an awful lot about that situation. We didn't even scratch the surface. But if you want to find out more, uh, you can certainly go to Kathy Hall on uh, on Facebook, Kathy with a K, or go to angelfamilies.com. And I just think that, if you have a heart beating in your chest, when you hear about official corruption and, and how it affects uh, hurting families, you want to do something. You want to do what you can do. So God bless her and her family, um, and I pray that they will get justice, uh, just as I have prayed that other families will get justice. One of the... Uh, one of the stories I covered at length when I did uh, local talk radio in Little Rock, Arkansas, was the boys on the tracks. Uh, the murder of uh, Kevin Ives and Don Henry on August 23rd, 1987, and the official cover-ups over the years. Great book, by the way. If you have never read the book, The Boys on the Tracks by Mara Leverett, uh, you can get it on Amazon or order it wherever you get books. Great book. All right, let me mention something. If you have tried to buy a car recently, you realize there's such a chip shortage that you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live because they have a hard time finding something closer. Well, that's where Red River Your Way comes in. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom including the freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online. They'll drive it to you no matter where you are. Red River Your Way wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. That's why they've added technology to their website that puts you in complete control of your payment options and allows you to complete the entire purchase process online. But don't worry, Red River experts are still right here to help you every step of the way. If you have any questions through the process, Red River makes it so easy. As you browse their selection, you'll see each vehicle, 
has a button on it called Explore Payment Options. Clicking that button guides you through a few easy questions that then create personalized payment options that you have full control over. All you have to do is adjust your preferences and all the math happens automatically so you can figure out what monthly payment works best for your budget. Red River Your Way makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom, the dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door wherever you live in the continental United States, redriveryourway.com. And I, I just want to say something. Before, um, before Red River Your Way started advertising with us, um, my business partners and I sat down with Mitch Ward, who owns the Red River uh, Your Way a group of dealers, and we had a good talk. And we realized this was a good fit because they do believe in freedom. And they are just as concerned as we are about where our country's going. So uh, these guys, Mitch Ward, Mitch Ward and the crew at Red River Your Way, um, they're some of us, if you catch my drift. And I hope you do. All right, so there was a very odd situation. Have you heard about this guy, uh, Dan Crenshaw? Dan Crenshaw. Now, he is a uh, United States representative, Republican, from Texas, who has a couple of primary opponents. And I'm so glad that he does. See, he ran for office as a conservative, okay? He's a military veteran who lost an eye in the Gulf War. Seemed like he's one of us. And then we find out he's a globalist. We find out he believes in global warming. Let's see. We've got this uh, younggloballeaders.org, the forum of young global leaders. Klaus Schwab, founder and executive chairman of the World Economic Forum, created the Forum of Young Global Leaders in 2004 to help the world meet increasingly complex and interdependent problems. And so we have this, this group of young global leaders here, including uh, Megan Rapinoe, Me- Megan Rapinoe, the, 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 the crazy far-left lesbian soccer player, Mark Zuckerberg, the crazy far-left Facebook creator, Tulsi Gabbard, who's trying to make Republicans think she's actually conservative, a couple other guys, well, one of the Rothschilds, of course, Alexander Soros, George Soros' son, of course, and Dan Crenshaw. And Dan Crenshaw. But that's nothing. That's nothing compared to what happened at a Dan Crenshaw town hall last night. Now, I want to 
we'll get into what part of Texas he represents here in in a moment. Because seriously, this guy needs to be taken out in the primary this year. So, I don't know. I don't know if you've heard what he said about Jesus. This uh, this really shocked me. What Dan Crenshaw said about Jesus. He was on a uh, a podcast with somebody a little while back. And, oh, yeah, 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 he believes in red flag laws, too. Cops should be able to take your guns, you know, without a warrant, just because somebody complains about you. Um, But he compared Jesus to Superman as a couple of uh, mythical creatures and then talked about real people who could be heroes also. No, I'm not making it up. Here he is. Here he is. So that's important. I mean, that's... The important thing is, is that we have societal hero archetypes that we look up to. Jesus is a, is a hero archetype. Superman is a hero archetype. Real characters, too. You know, I put, I, I, and I could, we could name a thousand, you know, Rosa Parks, Ronald Reagan. These, all of these people embody certain attributes that the American people think this is good. Okay. So clearly he does not believe Jesus was a real person. Um, which is interesting because you're not going to be able to find an ancient historian, Christian or not, pardon me, Christian or not, who doesn't believe that Jesus is a real person. Okay? So um, last night at the town hall, Dan Crenshaw Town Hall, an 11-year-old girl challenged him on what he said. And he was most impolite to this 11-year-old girl. Let's uh, let's see what happened. Whoa. Yeah! The most important thing here is that we have That's important right. hero archetypes that we look up to. Jesus is a hero archetype. Superman is a hero archetype. Real characters, too. too. I could name a thousand. Rosa Parks, Ronald Reagan, end quote. I can't wrap my head around this. Well, I'll help you. Put a period out okay. of the word Jesus and don't question my faith. Wow. You get this? Put a period after Lord Jesus and don't question my faith. He's talking like this to an 11-year-old girl. You moron! People yelling at him, you moron! You don't treat a kid like that. Don't question my faith. He says it again. Don't question my faith. In other words, what I said publicly is not up for discussion. You get this? We have an awful lot of listeners in Texas. Now, I don't know how many 
of our listeners in Texas are in the second congressional district, which is the suburbs north and east of Houston. I I don't know. But I know we do have some listeners in the Woodlands. Come get your boy. The Woodlands, Spring, Texas, Kingswood, Texas, Sheldon, Texas. Um, This is your guy here. I I don't, I kind of don't think he's really representing you. And he has at least two challengers in the Republican primary this year. And I hope you'll find out about both of them and decide which one of them you want to vote for. Because clearly this guy needs to go. This guy needs to go. Oh, and by the way, he's also ridiculed people who believe that the presidential election in 2020 was stolen. Ridiculed us. He thinks he's got this seat for life. He thinks he's untouchable. He thinks there's no way, no way, he's going to lose his U.S. House seat because he's a Republican. And he's in good with leadership. You go to his website and you see a picture of him with House leaders. Steve Scalise, number two in U.S. Republican House leadership, right there with him. So let's hear the rest of what Dan Crenshaw said last night to an 11-year-old girl. He's already said, don't question my faith, twice. As opposed to, well, hey, thanks for bringing this up and uh, thanks for giving me the opportunity to clarify. No. No, he's barking orders at her like he's back in the service and she's a private. You guys can ask questions about all of these things and I will answer them. But don't question my faith. Third time. Third time. In 40 seconds, don't question my faith. What did I tell you? She was questioning, trying to figure out what you believe, because you said Jesus is not a real person. I didn't question your faith. This is what you said. It is what he said. I, I, I mean, But you did, and I'll play it again after we get through with this. Of course he's the son of God. Of course he's the son of God, and of course he's real. You're saying two different things. You can say that on a podcast, and you can say this here. Whoa, 11-year-old girl calling down. You're saying two different things. You can say that on a podcast, you say this here. On the podcast, nobody would have understood it that way. I think you're twisting it that way. Come on, 
not very Christian. Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. It's not. And I'm not going to have my faith question. Was it the fifth time in a minute and a half I'm not going to have my faith question? Telling her she's not very, acting not very Christian? I'm not going to have my faith question. Sixth time. Six time in a minute and a half. I'm not going to have my faith question. Don't question my faith. Telling her she's not acting very Christian? Again, again. Here's what he said on the podcast. So that's important. That's the important thing is, is that we have societal hero archetypes that we look up to. Jesus is a, is a hero archetype. Superman is a hero archetype. Real characters, too. You know, I put, I, I, I could, we could name a thousand, you know, Rosa Parks, Ronald Reagan. These, all of these people embody certain attributes that the American people think this is good. Wow. Wow. I mean, I don't think the 11-year-old girl was misunderstanding anything. I think she nailed him, which is why, which is why all he could do was keep on barking at her, keep on yelling at her, don't question my faith. I won't have my faith questioned. You know? So, that's your guy. That's your guy. If you live in the suburbs of Houston, north, northeast, or east of Houston, because it's just outrageous to me. And I hope, I hope that one or more of his uh, primary opponents will use this because, good grief, this is a guy who has no excuse. No excuse. No excuse whatsoever. And that was one of the first things after our interview today that I wanted to make sure and bring up because I just, uh, I was just flabbergasted that he didn't have a better comeback than this. Just, just horrific. Anyway, that having been said, um, I want to mention. So when uh, when my wife got the um, confirmation, the rapid test of the local pharmacy. In, uh, in Little Rock that she has the Wu flu, the China virus, yesterday. I called my sister-in-law, who has been researching all this for many moons. And she said, look, what you need to do, 
you need to go to a website called COVID19CriticalCare.com. And you need to look under protocols. Eye mask plus prevention and early outpatient treatment at this website, COVID19CriticalCare.com. And it'll tell you what you need to do. You click on that link, on that tab, by the way. Click on the tab under protocols, eye mask and prevention and early treatment, early outpatient treatment. You go down, it has a bunch of flags. You click on the U.S. flag for prevention and early outpatient treatment for COVID-19 because early treatment is so critical. It's so crucial. You need to knock this out as early as you can. Um, and it has a list of stuff to take there. You know, uh, once you are test positive for COVID, has a list of stuff to take there. Now, I knew about the vitamin C. I knew about the vitamin D. I knew about the zinc and the quercetin. But a couple of things on there I didn't know about. Uh, the turmeric, 500 milligrams twice a day. The black cumin seed, never heard of it. 80 milligrams per kilogram of your weight a day. So you got to look up and translate how many pounds you weigh to kilograms, but take it from there. But I went to the health food store, a place called Natural Grocers, which is a chain out of Colorado. We have one in Little Rock, Arkansas. And they had all this stuff. So anyway, um, I'll try to put this up on my Facebook page a little bit later after the show today. COVID19CriticalCare.com. Of course, you know we'll see what it takes for face, Facebook to ban me for, for good, forever. But, you know, I'm not a doctor. I'm not officially uh, prescribing medicine. But COVID19CriticalCare.com. All right. Um, <clears throat> talk about health a lot. When I first got into doing talk radio, January 1997 in Savannah, Georgia, at a station that was a big talk radio station at the time, that unfortunately Cumulus Media let fall into such disrepair that eventually took them off the air. They were making serious money in the late 90s and eventually took them off the air because they let them fall into such a state of disrepair, and I can maybe talk about that at some time. Anyway, back then, the issue of health hardly ever came up in conservative talk radio, but now it comes up a lot because of what the government has been trying to do to us. For that matter, from what the uh, pharmaceutical industry, the, the medical establishment has been trying to do to us, low these many moons. So, let me ask you, are you like most Americans? Did Obamacare, the so-called Affordable Care Act, make your health care more expensive? Does your health insurance premium feel like a second mortgage? Does your sky-high 
deductible prevent you from going to the doctor? Do your sky-high copays keep you from going to the doctor? Now, if you answered yes to any of these questions, the website you need to go to, it's called myfamilyhealthplan.com. Myfamilyhealthplan.com. When you go to that website, see the big bold letters, affordable plans, save 30 to 50% on premiums, personalized health coverage, low to no deductible, no copays. And then the button says schedule call now, which is what you're going to want to do. When you click the schedule call now button, you get you 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 book a free consultation with my buddy Art Wilborn who makes sure there are no gaps in your coverage. He also makes sure that you get a plan unlike some of those Obamacare plans that doesn't force you to cover things like abortion which would violate your deeply held religious beliefs. So the website again, myfamilyhealthplan.com, affordable plans, save 30 to 50% on premiums, personalized health coverage, low to no deductible, no copays. Click on the button that says schedule, call now. Save, and Mark, Art Wilborn, my buddy Art Wilborn, make sure there are no gaps in your coverage. Save money on your insurance at myfamilyhealthplan.com. All right, fantastic. Very good, very good. So I notice this new Democrat mayor of New York City. I mean, they could have elected Curtis Slewa, right? The guardian angel guy. Really concerned about fighting crime. New York City could have elected him instead. Oh no, no, we got to have a Democrat because we're in New York City and we like the crime and we like the hypocrisy and we like being in the cult and losing our freedoms. So a picture of New York, brand new New York City Mayor Eric Adams last night at a Knicks game. Having fun with 20,000 other people not wearing masks, right? But today, he forces three-year-olds to put masks on for speech therapy and kindergartners to wear masks for recess outdoors. Adult recreation, once again, takes precedence over children's developmental needs. You know, I, I don't know what to tell you. We've got a lot of listeners in New York City or at least in New York State. I don't know how many of them are left in New York City. I don't understand. I don't understand the mindset in New York and and in New Jersey, for that matter. I was in Jersey for two and a half weeks in the summer of 2012. A friend of a friend was a consultant to uh, some contemporary Christian music FM radio stations. And uh, I was on an involuntary sabbatical from radio. I'd worked for a company called Clear Channel in Panama City, Florida, doing the morning talk show there on their FM talk radio station. And Clear Channel was... Billions and billions of dollars in debt. They had to lay off a bunch of people. I was one of them. 
So the next summer, I wound up going up to uh, Somerset, New Jersey to fill in on the morning show and actually audition for the morning show job. They'd fired a guy who uh, was pretty good to their morning show. And the general manager who had a background in being on air was doing the morning show. And he realized, oh, wait, I'm not going to be able to take my vacation unless we hire a guy or at least have somebody fill in for me. So uh, that's how I wound up in Somerset, New Jersey. Uh, everybody there treated me very nicely. Um, no complaints. They paid me a couple of thousand bucks to be there uh, a couple of weeks, gave me a rental car, a motel room. Everybody treated me very nicely. But it was odd. It was odd. So unlike talk radio, you're doing a morning show on a music station and they record calls and figure out which ones they want to play back. Well, that's that's not odd. That's kind of how music radio morning shows operate. But again, remember when this is, the summer of 2020. Pardon me, not 2020, the summer of 2012. Sorry, doing sleep deprivation. And Obama's running for re-election against Romney. And one of our callers was a very nice lady there from Jersey who said, look, um, abortion is a sin. Barack Obama supports abortion. Uh, I just can't see how you could possibly be a Christian and vote for this man. This is just horrible. And I noticed my two co-hosts there on the morning show, the Contemporary Christian Music Station in New Jersey, who are in their late 20s, early 30s, something like that, are just rolling their eyes. And I'm thinking, okay, wait a minute. What, what am I getting myself involved in here? This is crazy. It's supposed to be a Christian radio station. What difference should it make that you're in Jersey? Oh, but it did. Oh, but it did. So... The mindset of people in uh, in a lot of Jersey and New York City about freedom, liberty, the lack thereof, about what's important. See, I could never vote Democrat because I'm a Christian. The Democrat Party acts as if they are a wholly owned and operated subsidiary of Planned Parenthood. Well, I mean... No way I could, no way, no way I could vote for that. How do you look yourself in the mirror, you know? No way. No way. So anyway, anyway, having said that, you know, it, it might be, is it is it time? We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Doc Washburn Show Tweet of the Day. Brought to you by RedRiverYourWay.com. Red River Your Way, a big old car dealership in the middle of the United States of America that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice online the way you want to and have it delivered to your front door. Anywhere, 
in the continental United States. All right, the tweet of the day, as often happens, is a response to some other tweet. So townhall.com has a little video here from the steps of the U.S. Capitol. Participants in a hunger strike for what they call voting rights have begun to gather on the steps of the U.S. Capitol. And they're chanting, ain't going to let no filibuster turn me around. Okay. So today's tweet of the day is the response from the great Rahim J. Kassam, editor-in-chief of the National Pulse and co-host over at the um, War Room, Steve Bannon podcast. Rahim Kassam says, why are they doing an insurrection like this? <laughs> That's beautiful. Why are they doing an insurrection like this? Because, hey, I was told, if you're trying to, uh, you're trying to obstruct some kind of government proceeding at the Capitol, that's insurrection and you need to be prosecuted. But, you know, not if you're, uh, not if you're a lib. Not if you're a lib. But, you know, there are so many. There's so many wonderful, t- and thank you to RedRiverYourWay.com for sponsoring us. Red River Your Way, there are people. There's so many examples out there on Twitter that could easily be um, tweets of the day. So Stephen Colbert grew up in South Carolina. I wonder if his mama called him. Stephen Colbert. Anyway, he's got uh, Focahontas on, Liz Warren. Okay. And he has an interesting proposal and hat tip to uh, Curtis Halk, managing editor of Newsbusters, Stephen Colbert and, uh, and the fake Indian Liz. If you can't get rid of the filibuster, what about, and just hear me out here and try to okay. hear this objectively. I'm ready. What if mm-hmm. we just get rid of the Senate? And I'm 100% serious here. It is the most anti-democratic institution next to the judiciary because the judiciary is only the way it is because the Senate is the way it is. No one would drop a single tear. You've already got tenure. You can go back to your old job. You'll be fine. Spend more time with Bailey and Bruce, okay? She has tenure at her old job because she lied about being a Native American. I, have I don't understand what possible positive purpose the United States Senate provides right now. Yeah, I guess Stephen Colbert, he says, I've, I've made my money. I don't care the rest of you starve. I don't care if, uh, you know, they consolidate the communist takeover of America and turn us into Venezuela. Curtis Alec Newsbusters points out Stephen Colbert doubles down a few moments later and says this. If they have a majority... Okay, wait. Liz Warren and then Stephen Colbert. If they have a majority... 
but it's not. So be but it. it's an anti-democratic institution. That's no, just it. That's, 41 million I'm Americans saying, are represented more by, by your side than the Republicans, and yet they could get one more vote. An anti-democratic institution. Well, thank God the founders didn't set up a democracy. They set up a constitutional republic. And the, the, the Senate is supposed to represent the states. And one of the responses here, is he calling for the overthrow or abolition of the elected gov, uh, government bodies? So it would seem. So I guess he needs to be prosecuted for sedition, insurrection. You know? Right? Am I right? Just a thought. Just a thought. Oh, the great Nick Searcy, who we interviewed recently about his movie, Capital Punishment, the movie, dot com says Democrats are this stupid. Democrats are this stupid. And the first response to him is somebody who says, the irony here is Colbert inadvertently making the perfect case for why the Senate is necessary exactly as currently constructed. Amen, brother. Amen. Look, there's some stuff I need to share with you. Um, the great Julie Kelly. Ordinarily, when she comes out with a, uh, a new article over to American Greatness, i got to share it with you because it's just that good. And her thread... Uh, over here on Twitter just a few minutes ago says, you cannot see the wickedness of the Biden regime and Democrat party, how they will stop at nothing to achieve their radical political goals and still insist that federal and local agencies loyal to Democrats had nothing to do with January 6th. That view defies logic, history, and evidence. Did the FBI concoct a plot to supposedly kidnap Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer, a foe of Donald Trump, then announced the criminal charges as early voting was underway in a crucial swing state just weeks before Election Day. Why, yes. Yes, they did. All right, that's the Twitter part. Here's the actual article. More trouble for the FBI in the Whitmer kidnapping case. Subtitle, in a stunning mood, defense lawyers now want prosecutors to offer immunity not to their clients, but to FBI agents and informants. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. She says, the media, the media went wild last week after Joe Biden's Justice Department finally produced a criminal indictment to support the claim that January 6th was an insurrection planned by militiamen loyal to Donald Trump. Eleven members of the Oath Keepers, including its founder, Stuart Rhodes, face 
the rarely used charge of seditious conspiracy for their brief and nonviolent involvement at the Capitol protest that day. Journalists luxuriated in the news, jeering those of us who had correctly noted that the Justice Department had failed to charge anyone with insurrection or sedition for more than a year. But the press does not share the same zeal in covering another politically charged investigation. The imploding criminal case against five men accused of plotting to kidnap Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer in 2020. The kidnapping narrative shares many similarities with their preferred telling of January 6th, not the least of which is that alleged militias incited by Trump attempted to carry out a domestic terror attack. Despite wall-to-wall coverage after the charges in the Michigan case were announced right before Election Day, the corporate media has almost completely memory-holed the abduction caper in Michigan. Stuart Rhodes is a household name. Stephen Robeson, a convicted felon and the chief FBI informant in the Governor Whitmer kidnapping case in Michigan, accused of all sorts of malfeasance, is not a household name. The reason, of course, is that exposing how the FBI set a trap to lure down-on-their-luck men, one of the the co-defendants referred to Adam Fox, the alleged plot leader, as Captain Autism, into their kidnapping ruse would run afoul of the media's insistence that the government had nothing to do with the events of January 6th. Despite plenty of proof that hundreds of FBI agents and informants were involved before and during the Capitol protest. A top FBI official recently refused under oath to say whether FBI agents or assets engaged in or incited violent criminal behavior on January 6th. Perhaps the media considers it a mere coincidence that the head of the FBI Detroit field office overseeing the Whitmer plot was promoted to head of the FBI Washington, D.C. field office several weeks before January 6th. Defense attorneys in the Whitmer case are making a strong case for FBI entrapment. Detailing egregious misconduct by the agency and asking a judge to dismiss the charges. At least a dozen FBI agents and confidential human sources orchestrated the kidnapping scheme. Defense attorneys claim the feds actively planned and coordinated its efforts to induce the the defendants to engage in incriminating behavior and statements, even going so far as designing the objective and structural components of the kidnapping conspiracy. So... In a stunning move, defense lawyers now want prosecutors to offer immunity not to their clients, but to FBI agents and informants. A new defense filing took the rare step of asking the judge to order the Justice Department to offer use immunity to every FBI asset involved in the plot, fearing they will invoke their Fifth Amendment rights against self-incrimination in court Defense attorneys are attempting to compel testimony that would be immune from prosecution except charges of perjury. John Kiyonaga, 
A D.C. criminal defense attorney representing a few January 6th defendants told me over the weekend that the request is mind-blowingly rare. Prosecutors are desperate to conceal the FBI's animating and likely criminal role in the Governor Whitmer kidnapping plot in Michigan. The Justice Department notified the court in December that three of the top FBI agents on the case, including Richard Trask, the FBI investigator who signed the criminal complaint against federal defendants in October 2020, have been removed from the government's witness list. By the way, the trial is set for March 8th. As a matter of fact, Trask, in fact, was fired by the FBI, a nearly impossible feat, after he was arrested for assaulting his wife in a drunken rage following a swingers party last summer. Reporters also discovered several anti-Trump tirades posted on Trask's social media accounts. Scott Graham, attorney representing Caleb Frank, one of five men facing conspiracy to kidnap charges, punishable by life sentence, wrote this. I'm quoting now. The investigation in this case was based primarily on the efforts of FBI agents and confidential human sources. Normally, these people would testify at trial and would answer relevant questions posed by both sides to the case. The entrapment defense directed at both groups would be argued by the parties and decided by the jury. This case, however, is different from most. It is now apparent that a number of both the agents and sources have reason to refuse to testify by invoking their Fifth Amendment rights against self-incrimination, unquote. Now, prosecutors also don't plan to call on Stephen Robeson, the informant who coordinated every surveillance and training trip related to the caper. Not only has Robeson been charged with committing at least two crimes while working the Whitmer plot, the Justice Department accuses him implausibly of acting as a double agent. Defense attorneys aren't buying the government's latest excuse to keep Robeson, a longtime FBI source, off the witness stand. Robeson's testimony, the defense argues, will establish repeated violations of FBI policies in handling informants, making it both exculpatory and essential. The defense also wants to show the jury at least 258 examples of recordings of communications between the informants and their FBI handlers to show how the agency directed every aspect of the attempted kidnapping. Prosecutors claim the statements are hearsay and don't want jurors to see them. So, what would their unvarnished testimony and capture communications likely reveal? How about this? That without the elaborate involvement of the FBI, which compensated the lead informant at least $50,000 for six months' work and funded every outing to produce photographic evidence of the defendant's participation in weapons training camps and reconnaissance missions, the plot never would have made it past idle chatter. It likely would show how the FBI infiltrated alleged militia groups and even lured people into those groups beginning in early 2020 under the guise of monitoring potentially violent anti-lockdown rallies. 
Evidence would expose how a lockdown rally at the Michigan Capitol building in April 2020 acted as a dress rehearsal for January 6, 2021 at the U.S. Capitol and how the FBI steered the defendants from the more from more lockdown protests to the kidnapping plot. The jury also would hear how Stephen Dantuono, the director of the FBI's Detroit field office, handled his agents executing the caper and how he, how he was swiftly rewarded for his work. After his office successfully produced damaging headlines for Donald Trump right before the 2020 presidential election, Dantuono was promoted to head of the FBI's D.C. field office just three months before the Capitol protest. Unsurprisingly, prosecutors have already told the defense that they have no intention of offering immunity to their now tarnished star government witnesses. It's unlikely a judge will avoid interfering in what is the sole purview of the Justice Department to offer immunity deals, but watching these FBI agents and informants repeatedly plead the Fifth Amendment on the stand may be as revealing as any protected testimony would be. Wow. That's strong. Julie Kelly over at amgreatness.com roasting the thoroughly corrupt FBI. As usual. As usual. Great job. Great job, Julie Kelly. You know, I want to check something out real quick. So we are talking about Dan Crenshaw from Texas earlier and how rude he was to a, an 11-year-old girl. An 11-year-old girl who was simply pointing out that on a podcast, he uh, made it clear that he doesn't believe that Jesus is a real person. So... I mentioned that Crenshaw has a couple of primary opponents there in the 2nd District of Texas, which is uh, northern, northeastern, and eastern suburbs of Houston, including the Woodlands and Spring, Texas. And I just want to see if we can check on Wikipedia and see who these uh, primary opponents are. Oh, he's got three? So, Dan Crenshaw, the rhino, representing the 2nd Congressional District, encompassing the suburbs north of Houston, taking in Kingwood and Humble. Due to redistricting, the incumbent is Republican Kevin Brady of the 8th Congressional District, who was reelected with over 72% of the vote in 2020. On April 14th of last year, Brady announced he will not seek re-election. So they moved Kevin Brady into uh, Dan Crenshaw's district. Anyway, Crenshaw does have some primary opponents. Jameson Ellis, marketing executive. Uh, Martin Etwap, Christian missionary. And uh, Milam Langella, pilot. So... We have a lot of listeners in Texas. We have listeners in the Woodlands. I know we do. 
I hope you can, pardon me, hit the cough button every once in a while. Uh, like I say, my wife tested positive for the, uh, the China virus, the Wu flu yesterday. I tested negative, but I got some symptoms, so probably test again in a couple of days. Anyway, I hope those of you in Dan Crenshaw's 2nd Congressional District can figure out which primary opponent you want to uh, coalesce and which one you want to get behind. Um, because Crenshaw, Crenshaw needs to be taken down after what he did. After what he did. All right, let me... Uh, let me get back to this. This is some crazy stuff right here. The great Natalie Winters over at the nationalpulse.com, great reporter, has this new uh, new article, exclusive presidential debate commission chief held off-the-record meetings with Chinese communist propagandists and Xi Jinping. What? What? Are you hearing anything about this today? Fox News talking about it today. Talk radio talking about this. I mean, I mean, I'm sure some talk radio is talking about it. I don't know which. Well, let's check it out. Kenneth Wallach, a co-chair of the Commission of Presidential Debates, participated in several off-the-record dialogues with Chinese Communist Party officials and influence groups the National Polls can exclusively reveal. Wallach, also the chairman of the publicly funded National Endowment for Democracy, was one of 10 principal delegates for what was called the inaugural U.S.-China High-Level Political Party Leaders Dialogue, hosted by the East-West Institute in partnership with the International Department of the Central Committee of the Communist Party of China. The U.S. delegation was led by former U.S. Secretary of State Madeleine K. Albright, whose daughter Alice was recently tapped to run a key Biden-era foreign aid initiative despite her massive investments with the Chinese Communist Party. So this think tank does a little summary here in which they say it seeks to build understanding and trust between political elites from the United States and China through an exchange of views on governance and foreign policy issues. All right, do you think that uh, leaders of this country should actually be um, developing trust of the Chinese communists? You know, the ones who torture and kill the Uyghurs? Those folks? Oh, no, no, no. The part owner of the Golden State Warriors? Don't even get started on that. He said the quiet part out loud. Look, nobody cares. Oh, such a big, big donor to Biden, though. Yeah. Uh, the East-West Institute, however, has a long track record of collaborating with premier Chinese influence groups, including the China-United States Exchange Foundation. You know, I wonder sometimes. I wonder sometimes. Because I used to do a local talk radio in uh, in Little Rock, Arkansas. And because the uh, rhino governor of Arkansas, Asa Hutchinson, 
was just so tight with the Chinese communists. I just, he'd go to China two, three times a year. I just wonder if there was any connection between Governor Governor Asymptomatic Asa and this East-West Influence Group. Just curious. Because nothing would surprise me. Nothing would surprise me. Just doing a little internet search here of East-West Institute and Asa Hutchinson. Let's see. See if we get anything. Oh, wait. Wait, 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 wait. Let me, let me check here. Do a little, uh, oh, so close. Sometimes when you do a, a search, I don't care if it's Google or Bing or DuckDuckGo, if you don't put quotation marks around what you're looking for, then you get some stuff you're not looking for. It really doesn't help. It really doesn't help. But, you know, I I will do this. I will say this. I will go back to this. Um, Why are elements of the Chinese Communist Party allowed to own land in the United States of America. You know? Why are we seeing that? That's what I want to know. Who all have they paid off? Yeah, put it a little bit more bluntly there. Now, this is interesting. The UK Daily Mail comes out with this over the past weekend. Will Wednesday's 5G rollout close your airport? The 88 U.S. airports have faced catastrophic disruption by a new Verizon and AT&T networks that could interfere with planes' takeoff and landing technology. The FAA warned pilots not to use their radio altimeters to read their altitudes at more than 80 airports in the U.S. ahead of Wednesday's 5G rollout. The altimeter gives clear readings of a plane's altitude, a key tool when landing in low visibility, but the signals are dangerously similar to 5G wavelengths. The FAA and plan manufacturers warned that 5G signals near 88 airports could give false readings and confuse pilots as they approach the runway. Allied Pilots Association spokesperson Dennis Tager said, this is reckless, it's dangerous, and it's got to stop. Only 50 airports... Near 5G signals have buffers, but they could still be affected come launch of AT&T and Verizon's new services. It comes as airline CEOs and pilot leaders warned about the reckless launch of 5G, which could cause 1,100 flight cancellations on Wednesday. You know, what could go wrong? Huh? What could possibly go wrong? 
I don't know, Holmes. I can't call it, fam. Now, did you hear that H.R. McMaster was on with uh, Joe Rogan the other day on his podcast? Herbert Raymond McMaster, McMaster to you. Now, he is a highly decorated military veteran. And when uh, when James Comey's FBI did the coup on General Mike Flynn, somebody recommended that President Trump appoint H.R. McMaster U.S. National Security Advisor. But uh, Trump eventually fired him, I think with good reason, because he turned out to be one of the bad guys instead of one of the good guys, okay? So McMaster goes on with, uh, with Joe Rogan with one of the most ludicrous moments of the year so far, according to uh, Raheem Kassam over at uh, the War Room with Bannon. Here's McMaster and Joe Rogan. Do I not have it turned up? Uh, I don't have it turned up. Sorry about that. Did you see um, Ted Cruz question that woman? I don't remember her name. Uh, she's uh, from the FBI, and he asked her about agent provocateurs at January 6th and whether or not they uh, engaged in any activity there, and she said she could not answer that, and whether or not they engaged in encouraging violence, and she could not answer that. Like, uh, Did you see that? I didn't see it, but I, I mean, I, I would be surprised if there weren't, right? Now, now the thing is, why do they do that? The, 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 what, why, they, why would the FBI engage in that? It would not not answer. Oh, the FBI wouldn't. Wouldn't. That's provo- what. Pro- that's what they were talking about. Agent I provocateurs. I, not from us. I wouldn't say. I know, I, now I would say there might be FBI agents who infiltrate organizations that have a violent agenda. Right. We want them to do that. But I, I thought you were talking about the Russians. I think no, what the we, Russians trying to do is but- the Russians. Joe Rogan didn't say anything about the Russians being FBI provocateur, uh, being agent provocateurs. He didn't say the Russians engaging in violence on January 6th. He didn't say anything about the Russians. No, you didn't think Joe Rogan was talking about the Russians because he didn't mention the Russians. The word Russians doesn't sound like the term FBI. Wow, man. The FBI agents that in if the FBI agents were involved in January sixth, yeah, right. I, yeah, that's uh, Joe. That doesn't sound right to me. I mean, I don't know. What well, doesn't sound right? Agent provocateurs. Yeah, agent provocateurs from the government. They've been doing it for decades. You know, they've been doing it for decades. So you're lying. I mean, I can't imagine they would do that. Well, why I wouldn't don't. she just say no? Uh, I don't know. You want to see it? Yeah, I'll see. Yeah, I'll yeah. Let's 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 take a look at it because it's there's a what is the guy's name? Ray Epps, the guy that everyone keeps discussing because there's a guy who is encouraging people to go into the Capitol. He was uh, uh-huh. a guy that was uh, in multiple videos, and you know some people thought he was a Fed like immediately, and other people were listening to him. But this guy was trying to encourage people to. Go into the Capitol building. Here, let's let's play this just so you can hear Ted Cruz. I want to turn to the FBI. Okay, and that's where the clip cuts off. 
Oh, FBI, I thought you were talking about the Russians. <laughs> the cotton-picking Russians. Oh, they would never do that. Really? Really? I just... Just... Just amazing to me. The mask has slipped, and they don't know how to get it back up. You know what I'm saying? That's what's up. By the way, um, so in the United States, we have something called the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration. That's your, your drug regulator for the U.S. European Union has something called EMA. And according to their drug regulator, the EMA there in the EU, kind of like our FDA in the U.S., Omicron and other variants, uh, administration of multiple booster doses at short intervals would not be sustainable in the long term. They also say repeated administration of COVID-19 boosters with very short intervals might reduce the level of antibodies that can be produced at each administration. Okay, great. Great. Now, Seth Dillon, over the Babylon Bee, CEO of Babylon Bee, sometimes he tweets deadly serious stuff, not not satire. So he says on Twitter, I just read that Kroger eliminated paid leave for unvaccinated employees who get COVID. This makes sense because you can only get COVID if you're unvaccinated, he says tongue-in-cheek. He's being sarcastic. It also makes sense because it definitely doesn't incentivize anyone to keep working and not get tested when they feel sick. He says sarcastically. So, yeah, um, I got to check out some different grocery stores because... Kroger is disrespecting their employees. Uh, Kroger is uh, treating their employees horribly, doing this. And I got to check out some different grocery stores. I live in Arkansas, uh, so that's there's no Publix over here, like there is in uh, most of the southeast of the U.S. By the way, by the way, by the way, talking about the uh, the U.S. and the map and everything, uh, we've noticed that a couple of new states have worked their way into the top five for uh, downloads of our podcast. We've always had Arkansas number one, Texas number two, and then usually some combination of um, uh, New York and Illinois and California, sometimes Colorado would be in the top five instead of California. But now we see Virginia and Washington State in the top five. So I believe it's uh, Arkansas, Texas, Illinois, Virginia, and Washington State. And so we welcome you. I guess people are hearing the YouTube ad. People seeing the YouTube ad, a little six-second ad we got going out there that we really try to get people's attention about what we do and what we're all about. So 
We appreciate our new listeners in uh, Virginia. I was born in Virginia and uh, in Washington State. Uh, great, great news out of Virginia. Everything going on there with your new governor, lieutenant governor, and attorney general. And, of course, Washington State needs help. Needs help. I mean, books could be written about what's going on in Washington State right now. Look, I want to tell you briefly about the best-kept secret in American health care. It's called upper cervical care, getting your atlas adjusted. Let me tell you how it works. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column. The atlas, the C1, which only weighs two ounces, really easy for that atlas to get out of alignment. You don't have to be in a football injury or an automobile accident. You can just like reading in bed at night and uh, leaning your uh, your head up against your uh, your uh, fist and one elbow. That that's enough to get your atlas out of adjustment. Problem is, and most people's atlases are out of adjustment. If that happens, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain, restricting your central nervous system's ability to send impulses to the rest of your body. It can affect your circulatory system, your digestive system, your respiratory system, and yes, even your reproductive system. It can cause migraines, back pain, neck pain, vertigo, all kinds of maladies. So if you think you're having these kinds of issues... It would be a really good idea if you're in central Arkansas to call my friends at the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center, 501-279-2009, for a free consultation to see if you need to get your atlas adjusted. Seriously, I mean, if you look in the mirror, one eye looks bigger than the other, your eyes are off balance, your shoulders are off balance. You look at a picture of yourself, you always lean your tilt your head one way or the other. You probably need to get your atlas adjusted. So again, if you're in central Arkansas, call my friends, Arkansas Over Cervical Center, 501-279-2009 for a free consultation to see if you need to get your atlas adjusted. If you're outside central Arkansas, it's simple. Just go to the website, turnmypoweron.com. There is a tab that says find a doctor and see if you can find a doctor close to you. they got a list of them on there. So I hope that helps because it's really helped me and it's really helped my wife and it's really helped so many people that we know. Our son here in Little Rock has been greatly helped by this. So I don't know if you realize this. We alluded to this earlier. Six-figure Biden donor claims Nobody cares about ongoing Uyghur genocide. Nobody cares. This is uh, huh. this is pretty amazing. Let me uh, the the part owner. He's a part owner of an NBA basketball team, Golden State Warriors. who donated hundreds of thousands of dollars in support of Joe Biden's campaign, 
claimed nobody cares about the ongoing genocide of Uyghur Muslims in China. He is part owner of the Golden State Warriors. His name is Chamath Palipatia, apparently. Made headlines yesterday when he claimed nobody cares about the Chinese Communist Party sponsored genocide that has been recognized as such by several national governments. Let me uh, let me give you let me give you what he said here. See if we can do this. Nobody cares about about what's happening to the Uyghurs. Okay, you you bring it up because you really care, and I think that's nice that you care. The rest of us don't care. I'm just well, telling you a very care? hard. Wait, I'm telling you, you virtually don't care. I'm telling you a very hard, ugly truth. Okay, of all the things that I care about, yes, it is below my line. Okay, no, of all the things that I care about, it is below my line. Disappointing. Well, he's honest. He's honest. Clearly, Joe Biden doesn't care. Look. You got a party here that for almost 50 years has been the the pro-abortion party in the United States of America. For almost 50 years has acted as if they're a uh, wholly owned and operated subsidiary of Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry, right? Number of people who said they were pro-life when they ran for office as a Democrat, realized, oh, no, i got to be pro-abortion now. Dick Gephardt, Teddy Kennedy, Jesse Jackson. Do you expect them to care about suffering and death of other human beings? No. No. Senator Rick Scott, Florida, responded, we've always known that the NBA and many of its owners are happy to put profits over people. Now this guy... Is saying it plain as day. He doesn't care that communist China is committing genocide against the Uyghurs. He doesn't care that millions are sent to forced labor camps. Couldn't care less. Senator Scott says communist China is imprisoning innocent people simply due to their Muslim faith and silence is appeasement. Will NBA Commissioner Silver, Steve Kerr, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson... Draymond Green, or Andre, three-time NBA champion Warriors, condemn this. But he does go on to say he does care about climate change. So you got that. So you got that. Anyway, I mean... I, I, I watched my last NBA game a long time ago, so be that as it may. I just thought I should share that with you. We try to get stuff out here on the Doc Washburn Show that isn't heard many other places. You've been listening to Episode 69 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you'd like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansour's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the Ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansour Sempier X. 
Well, that's the way it is. Tuesday, January 18th, 2022.